A lot of affiliates are very SEO focused. They are trying to, you know, win the Google game. We're already there. We already have domain authority on our key sports media sites. So we don't need that. What we really found when we bought Wedge, they're able actually to deliver to a sports betting operator an incredibly high quality user for them. So very, very different approach to the more traditional affiliates, the Katinas, the Better Collectives, the Gambling.coms of the world. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on Twitter Spaces. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience. Welcome, everybody, back to Gaming News Canada show after a one-week hiatus. And I think a few of us here on Twitter Spaces today uh, have probably a little bit of Global Gaming Expo uh, hangover. And um, in, in my case, that's uh, a second case of covid um, <laughs> in 2022. So uh, I've been laying low this week, which is probably a good thing because there's so much going on in the industry that we're, uh, we're going to cover over the next 60, 60 minutes. Um, we're hoping uh, Jordan Natt from Playmaker Capital is going to join us at some point in the hour. We're trying to get uh, Troy Ross on here. Just some uh, quick thoughts on, on G2E last week. And Again, I think uh, double double the attendance from last year when we were still in a little bit of COVID mode. But uh, G2E announced twenty five thousand attendees and uh, uh, just a, a busy, if not uh, overwhelming week, especially for G2E first timers like myself. And Amanda, maybe start start with you if you don't mind. Yeah, I would say G2E came roaring back, having. Uh kind of missed out on 2020 and then last year none of the Europeans could get across the border so for the first time in uh, my history of going down there there were actually big holes on the expo floor which I'd never seen before and so this year it felt like it was everyone making up for lost time it was a very full floor um, with me having moved over to working with Kindred I had a ton of supplier meetings which was a first for me and it just felt like, I mean, I'm sure you realize, Steve and Mark, there were just competing events every afternoon. There were multiple drink receptions, networking events, dinners, parties, you know, like most people had three or four different competing events every evening in their in their calendar. So I was pretty happy actually to get on a plane and come home on Friday. I was exhausted. Yeah, I know the know the feeling. We're gonna get we'll get Mark Silver in here to talk at some point too. But I do want to get him on here because I think he's on a bit of a tight schedule today, and really happy he's been able to join us. And uh, Jordan Nutt from Playmaker Capital, welcome, Jordan. And just quickly on G two E, you know, I was wondering. It seemed every time we ran into each other last week, you, you were on the telephone. <laughs> I think uh, one. Once in the uh, the lobby at the Venetian Expo, I think Mark Silver and I walked by on Wednesday, either late Wednesday afternoon or early Wednesday evening, and then again at the airport before we uh, we flew back to Toronto on on Thursday. But given given the couple announcements you made this week, I guess you were I guess those phone calls you were probably doing a little bit of uh, crossing of T's and dotting of I's, were you? Yeah, just just a little bit. Vegas was great. You know, we we had uh, we had planned this investor day that we had on Tuesday about a month and a half ago or two months ago. And we were obviously uh, into the discussions with Wedge uh, and the idea to see if we could actually thread the needle and get the deal closed the morning of uh, an investor day and then actually bring it out to the community was, uh, I would say, <laughs> to say the least ambitious. Uh, but we were we were able to do that. And it certainly uh, occupied a whole bunch of the time in Vegas to uh, to sort of move those last pieces together. Hey, Jordan, let's talk a little bit about the, the acquisition of wedge, wedge traffic. I mean, it's a, 
a little bit out of out of your lane. Although again, reading the the press release on on Monday and again following some of the coverage this week, this this was something that uh, Playmaker was going to pursue eventually. But just given all the the uh, <coughs> the acquisitions you made in the sports media business, uh, why did just maybe talk to us a little bit about the the timing and and the reason for the wedge traffic acquisition? Yeah, thanks. So when when we started building Playmaker uh, back a year and a half ago. One of our one of our key strategies was to really start with audience. Make sure we can have the largest, most engaged fan base across the Americas, the newly regulating sports betting markets. And once we had that audience, and that audience was being effectively monetized in more traditional ways, we could then look at the affiliate space and see if there was a way that we could do what others don't do, which is when you own your audience. The idea of attracting your audience, audience is a question of opportunity cost, not necessarily buying CPMs in exchange for CPAs. So owning that large audience is particular our audience, which is incredibly homogeneous. Everybody's a sports fan. That's what we have. We have sports media properties and we have them at scale in lots and lots of markets. Uh, so we've always looked at our revenue wheel as one that would include affiliate. We just had yet to find the right type of affiliate business that we felt would be most appropriate with us. A lot of affiliates are very SEO focused. They are trying to you know, win the Google game. How do I get in the right search words? How do I get relevant? How do I move up the search rankings? Uh, and we, we're already there. We already have domain authority on our, key, on our key sports media sites. So we don't need that. What we really went, found when we bought Wedge was a business that is focused on technology. And they are really in a, a technology-based affiliate where they're actually analyzing data on a real-time basis, understanding the quality of the user. And because of the quality of the user, they're able actually to deliver to a sports betting operator an incredibly high-quality user for them, which gets them uh, nice CPAs, but also keeps them up in the higher ranks of affiliates within the, the customer groups that they have. So very, very different approach to the more traditional affiliates, the Katinas, the Better Collectives, the Gambling.coms of the world. Wedge comes at it from a pure analytical and technology perspective. And ultimately, they're going to be able to use that, uh, that technology and data analytics to mine our existing fans that are already coming to all of our sites and uh, hopefully beyond the U.S. at some point, we'll be able to have them uh, facing into uh, into the Latin American market. And in the Canadian market, when the market is more conducive for affiliates and you're actually able to use traditional affiliate offers, uh, we'll be able to better mine the Canadian business as well. Yeah, Jordan, how long did it take for this deal to come together? Oh, it's a good question. I would say we started talking to them maybe three months. The whole thing was about three months. Right, right. Um, and I'll just remind everybody, like I said, we have Jordan on a pretty short window today. But again, if, uh, you know, if Amanda or I know Chris Abbott's with us. Uh, I know uh, Jordan for sure. Troy Ross has a question for you at some point. Uh, if anyone has a question for Jordan, just uh, put a request in, and, and we'll uh, we'll get you uh, we'll get you up here to chance to ask uh, ask that question. Um, one thing I do want to mention, Jordan, too, that uh, also you guys also announced uh, this morning that uh, a, a new uh, relationship or a, a partnership deal, I guess, with Uber One, which is going to be the presenting sponsor of your 90th minute uh, soccer uh, content series, and. Again, that's that, that's an exciting announcement, and uh, would sort of play into 
the uh, the growth that we've seen with Playmaker and what you're doing with your podcast properties over the past, well, particularly this month with also announcing the the podcast around the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're big believers in the audio space. We see that the you know, terrestrial radio is on the decline. Um, people are not looking for appointment-based listening or appointment-based viewing, uh, for that matter. And really, our strategy has been to develop content that we can make available to our fans when they want it, how they want it, and where they want it. And our fans are telling us that they want to listen to more audio. They want it to be relevant audio. And what we actually found is the the, uh, the food ordering companies, we also have DoorDash does work with us as well. They're, they are sponsor some of our other podcasts. Um, that it's just, you know, they came to us and said, hey, look, we, we would love to have more properties like this to to work with. And you sort of sit back and go, why do they want to do that? And then logic kicks in and go, right, people listen to podcasts on their drive home. And on their drive home, they're thinking about what they want to eat for dinner. And when they want to think about what they want to eat for dinner, if they don't have time to cook, they're going to order on a food ordering app. That makes a whole lot of sense. And Uber uh, was a logical choice for uh, for us to work with on this. So you know, we, we, we've seen them. Uh, we've seen them. We've seen, uh, you know, we, we worked with Stick, Skip the Dishes. We've worked with... Uh, with uh, DoorDash, and, and then we, we think it's you know important for us to continue to have a diversified a diversified audience or customer base. And the reason is that you know sports fans are coveted by everybody. I mean, this is the most highly spending demographic that's out there. Sports fans buy everything. It's not just sports betting, right? Sports betting is a, is a very very small subset. They buy tickets, they buy hats, they buy merchandise, they they go out for dinner, they buy beer. All of those things are what a sports fan wants, and so if we are if we are omitting and not really targeting those uh, tier one advertisers, then you know we're 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 missing opportunity for our, for ourselves and for our shareholders. And so uh, we, we we target premium brands because we have we think we have premium content. And Caroline does an amazing job on the 90th minute with her team there, and uh, you know it's an audience that's growing really really quickly. Soccer is a complete green space in this country right now. Nobody owns it. It sits on the corner of big media's desk uh, and they're not focused on it for in the U.S. for that matter as well. And we think that with uh, our expertise in particular in the Latin American market uh, and now with the teams we have in Canada, uh, the ability to lean into that vertical is one that we want to we want to really focus on. Yeah, I think you make a great point about the about the soccer and the green space, Jordan, because, again, that's where we're we're seeing the same thing at uh, Parlay Media Group with Room 442 and and James Sharman, Albert Bertani, and Sarah Pereri, where there there's you know there's a gap to be filled there in terms of content right now, and and uh, especially with World Cup on the horizon, mm-hmm. people are looking for for that good storytelling around next month's tournament in Qatar. Um, the other thing, I mean, the podcast landscape's becoming really really busy, isn't it? You see that. Uh, Fifth Street Gaming announced yesterday the launch of the Jeffabet Podcast Network, which uh, I think you're, you're probably going to be somewhat of a competitor with them in that Latin Latin American market. And last week we reported on the uh, the Rush Street Interactive deal, where where Bob McCowan's podcast is now part of the uh, has a partnership with Bet with Bet Rivers. But I think people are quickly seeing the the value of podcasts, and uh, as you point out, it's something where. You know, you don't have to be listening to a radio station at five o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon if you're home at nine o'clock on a Wednesday night and you've got nothing to watch on television or on Netflix. You you might listen to a podcast. Yeah, listen, we we launched Barn Burner last week, uh, last week or week before in in Calgary um, with uh, with Boomer. Uh, you know, he he left uh, Boomer in the morning from sports netting, and it was it was a fact that. Uh, clearly, uh, clearly, he felt wasn't uh, wasn't being uh, appropriately 
given attention there and he wanted to really take control of his own of his own team and his own destiny and so we we came together with him and launched barn burner and you know the first episode was the number one number one hockey podcast on all of apple uh and you know now we're settling in as a top five and it's just a brand brand new site we, that that'll be an incredible incredible property for us uh and stay tuned you know we're looking at other markets obviously nick alberga is uh, in the toronto market is new for us as well uh, and we're able to leverage our uh, we'll leverage our content around uh, we'll be able to leverage our content uh, around uh, or our talent around different content. So you know Frank Saravalli can show up on one show, Boomer can show up on another show. So they're all going to sort of cross pollinate with each other. But ultimately, we're you know with with new products coming in the door as well. We'll be you know we'll be excited to hopefully have them land. I will say one thing, uh, Jordan. I, I think you probably have the uh, the, the toughest podcast uh, talent in in the industry right now with with Jay Rosehill doing your uh, <laughs> your lead podcast and and Rhett, Rhett Warner doing Barn Burner. So uh, you know, I, you're not certainly not going to get any fans uh, giving giving your on air people any trouble with those two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we hope not. We hope not. It's it's funny because we also have got dropping the gloves um, with John Scott. So we've got a few of those a few of those out there that. Uh, these guys tend to be tend to be uh, good good radio talent. Uh, you know, spitting chicklets. You take a look at them on uh, on uh, on on the Barstool's network. Yeah, like you know, they'll. That's what happens. The, the, these guys have come out. They turn out to be pretty good talent. They've got great stories to tell, and that's what fans want to hear. I think what we're seeing too, Jordan, is that there's there's also part of the strength of the of former players too, as they have those relationships with with uh, former teammates and coaches and agents and other people and then whether it's the hockey world or the soccer world and they're they're able to tap into those relationships yeah, yeah for sure for sure hey jordan jordan just one more question before you let you go just uh, not i don't want you to tip your hand too much but just what what do you see as the opportunities for for playmaker with the world cup of soccer given the investment that you've made in uh in south and latin america yeah, it's um, you know, we, we we sort of talk about it internally that once every four years we break, get to bring out the really really big gun and we get one big shot at it. So uh, we're you know our our teams have been heads down focused. It is the top priority in our business to make sure that we we land and execute the you know the the several hundreds of campaigns that we'll likely have during the World Cup to do. We've got uh, I don't know eight or ten people going to Qatar. Uh, to be doing uh, live live shows from for us down there. Uh, make sure that we've got live also live content that we're able to not just stream. Uh, we won't be not just stream in uh, uh, not, not just stream for us across our our existing channels, but also do some sponsored content for some of our key some of our key partners uh, down there. So we're um, yeah we're we're, we're really like Q four is always our biggest quarter as it would be with any business who's in the advertising space. But take that alongside a, uh, a Q4, alongside a World Cup, which normally doesn't happen. Uh, and you still have a whole bunch of other things that are happening in the affiliate space. You've got Maryland opening up. Uh, you're going to have Ohio pre-registration starting, Ohio opening up in January. You've got Massachusetts opening up in uh, sometime Q1 of next year. So right. lots and lots of exciting things down the road for us. Yeah. Hey, Jordan, before you, we let you go, speaking of hockey, I, um, I know Troy Ross has a hockey question. <laughs> Steve's trying to get me in trouble, George. I I was going to give you a hard time about the play uh, of our team these days, but uh, I'll, I'll save that for a time when you've got a little bit more uh, time to chat. Just a fan, my friend. Just a fan. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, Jordan, listen, uh, th thanks so much for, for hopping on with us. Congratulations on the, the two announcements this week. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll get you back here on the uh, Gaming News Canada show to talk right, right before the World Cup begins next month. You got it. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Okay. Yeah, Bye. Take care, Jordan. Listen, Jordan's comments, Troy, about Q4, that's, that's a great segue into, into the uh, iGaming Ontario report last week. And we'll get into G2E as well with you. But Troy Ross from TRM Public Affairs, who's been all over the Ontario gaming industry for the better part of a quarter century now. And not, not to, not to age you too much, Troy, but um, you know, we, we, you and I spoke earlier this week about the, uh, the iGaming Ontario, the, the Q2 performance report that came out last week and uh, you know, a very healthy increase in numbers over, over Q1. And when Jordan talks about Q4 um, this year for, for Playmaker and really what uh, the, the last three months of this year for, for a relatively new market, um, as you and I were talking about on, on Monday or Tuesday, uh, you know, the, the Q2 numbers really are just the start of a market that's still very, very young. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's almost like we scripted Jordan to, to, to lead into this. The, uh, I'm sure everyone on the call has seen the iGaming Ontario results for Q2 that came out last week. Uh, and, and the truth is, uh, the numbers are excellent, right? And, and I think we all anticipate that the Q3 and Q4 results are only going to get better. Um, I've been saying for some time now, I, I expect the Ontario iGaming regime will be the most successful iGaming regime in North America. And, and that's largely because Ontario took a sensible approach to regulation and to taxation. Um, in terms of the overall number of operators in the regulated scheme, channelization rate, reasonable regulation, and, and overall reasonable cost of doing business. The, the Q2 figures, I think, and again, every KPI is up across the board. Total wagers is, is up from four to six billion. Number of operators is up from 18 to 31. IGO is expecting up to 70 operators by the end of the month. Number of websites is up. Player counts are up. And, and the GGR went from one, 162 million to 274, 200, sorry, 67. That's, those Q-Tone numbers are on, on 31 of an expected 70 operators. We can all speculate how much more money that regime will earn. Uh, when it's when those four it was those seventy operators are fully registered, but I think by any metric the Ontario model is is a success, and I think it's going to become a case study for other provinces to duplicate. Right, Amanda Bird, do you you want to hop in here on on the Q two report as well? Actually, I think it was the uh, Q three report because we launched in Q two. Well, this is a yeah. Q two report from from IGO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I said last time, um, we had to wait until next year because we still don't have a fully transitioned market yet. That deadline is the 31st of October and there's no way to compare it against anything. So unless somebody had an inside track to all the gray market operators who were willing to disclose the amount of revenue they were bringing, any estimates about the market size were a guesswork at best. So I think for us to be able to really have an accurate understanding of how large the market is, the channelization rate, how successful AGCO was at cleaning up everything, 
you know, let's have this conversation next, you know, February, March or April. I think that's a better time for it. But I think the numbers, like Troy said, they speak for themselves. There's been a market increase between the first set and the second set. And I think that those numbers will continue to increase um, for the next several quarters. So, you know, nowhere to go but up. But I think, you know, especially as an operator who was in the market on day one, I'm now waiting to see what happens on November 1st. Because I think, you know, it's not, I don't think I'm the only, uh, uh, the only operator out there that is, is going to be feeling like, um, you know, a slight bit of frustration if we're not seeing, you know, more operators popping through and being fully compliant um, by the 1st of November. It's yeah, been a pretty long and generous runway the AGCO has given operators who aren't through yet. Yeah, Troy, your, your, your thoughts on that? Because Amanda raised a great point there about the October 31st deadline imposed by the AGCO uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I, listen, I think it, a, a transition towards a regulated, uh, towards gray market operators coming into a regulated market makes great sense. Uh, this is not, <clears throat> you know, the none of the Canadian jurisdictions uh, are going to compare well with the United States, who, who went full prohibition back in 2006. So the only way to kind of bring existing operators into compliance which was to have some kind of a transitionary period uh the uk has done it other jurisdictions have done it in fact six months is actually pretty fast compared to the the length of time some other jurisdictions like the united kingdom have taken but uh, listen the the results are excellent i think the q2 results uh have silenced a number of those critics who, who wrote after the Q1 uh, data was released that, that the Ontario figures were disappointing. That assessment clearly seems to have been premature. And um, I, I think it's only going to get better. There, of course, you know, it's like any other industry, right? There's, there's illegal tobacco, there's illegal cigarettes, there's illegal uh, booze. There, there'll be a portion of the industry that is resistant to coming into compliance and the regulator uh, is going to take steps to, to make that more and more difficult for those, for those operators. I guess <laughs> Troy and Amanda, as we always need to point out too, I guess for pe people that aren't following the industry closely, I mean, these, these figures that I go put out last week, they don't include uh, what OLG is taking in from online sports betting and, and sports betting and on, online casino and, and, um, and we we do have some operators that still aren't uh, still aren't regulated and, and operating as um, under the IGO seal of approval. We know that Chef uh, Zakodnia covers reported this morning that Pinnacle is apparently going to be ready to to begin operations next uh, next week. And uh, we do know that uh, Kazen Gaming with its Botano brand that it's it's now uh, it now has uh, iGaming approval and. Um, I believe that it, uh, it's uh, it's probably uh, I think had a soft launch this week. I don't know if Chris Habit wants to hop in on that, but um, you know the one comment Amanda and Troy that Paul Burns made to me that we include in the newsletter this morning is that you know he's his quote is I'm hearing everyone's quite pleased and Amanda I'll start with you is that the feedback you're you're getting from either people within Kindred Group or, or people that you're talking to around the industry. Yeah, I mean, Kindred was pleased with, with the results. And I think all the operators that have been in there since, you know, the early days are pleased. I mean, from a, a an enforcement perspective, I mean, other than just, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, 
acquire customers and retain customers, which is what we're all trying to do, um, it's really quieted down on the affiliate side because in the early days, um, you know, us and the score and points bet, um, we're, we're doing a lot of heavy lifting trying to clean up, um, you know, the affiliate pages from also featuring unlicensed operators alongside licensed operators. So that's really calmed down. Um, and we've seen most of the largest operators in the world now come through into the market. So, you know, Troy said there's there's a bunch more to come. I'm kind of curious to see who they are at this point in time. Um, but I think for us, it's just, you know, the relief that that window now is closing for them. And, you know, I know there'll be a different of opinion, especially if you're a lawyer. But in my opinion, that flips to a black market on November 1st and, and rightly so. So I think that, you know, it was a bit of a, you know, trial period for the first, you know, few months in the in the market, but this is certainly going much smoother. We're now into a, a full sports season. It's not just the full, you know, the first full sports season with the market open. It's the first full sports season since we've lifted much of the COVID restrictions. So it really does feel like things are starting to pick up their stride. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see what we're all going to be doing over the winter, because I think that, you know, with more operators in the market, with things working more smoothly, you know, the regulations are kind of calming down and, you know, enforcement is ramping up. I think we'll be in a really sweet spot this winter. Yeah. And, and man, and not to mention the fact that, again, this this next quarter, I mean, October to December, it, it's probably the best uh, the best time of the year on the sports calendar, especially in a year where we have a, a World Cup of soccer, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know who knows, Troy? Maybe the Leafs will surprise us all. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. Hey, Troy, just I did want want to ask you one more question about Ontario too, just because um, you know we we saw each other at uh, SBC in New Jersey back in July, and and again last week in Las Vegas at G2E, and I just wonder what, what the conversations you, you had during the summer and then last week, are they a little bit different with regards to Ontario? Like where, where do the people you talk to on, you know, whether it's south of the border or in Europe or in other parts of the world, like how, how do they feel about what's going on in Ontario? You know, I, I guess I would echo uh, the same kind of, con- listen, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say the model is perfect, but it's very good. And it's the first of its kind in Canada, right? This is a quantum leap forward for online gaming in this country. Every other province in, in the union offers a lot of recorporation product and has buried their head in the sand on the gray market. That's, I suppose that's their choice. This model is going to channelize the vast majority of play. It's going to capture the vast majority of what used to be gray market and lottery corporation uh, play and Ontario players are going to have the vast majority of Ontario players are going to have responsible gaming features, consumer protections, and the Ontario treasury is going to receive hundreds of millions in revenue. So from the, the government perspective, this is a win. I think for the most part, the operators are generally very pleased like any other regulatory regime, uh, Especially in the early days, there, there are going to be teething pains and, and some, uh, some things that need to be sorted out. But by and large, yeah, I think the, the, the operator community is quite pleased with this. That's, uh, that's great. Hey, I do want to move. Uh, sorry, Troy. One, thing, one more thing I was going to mention. I was going to mention this at the top of the hour is that the AGCO, we, 
there was an announcement this morning that the International Association of Gaming Regulators is uh, recognizing uh, AGCO for for an award around its uh, role of Ontario. Is is that something that you knew was coming down the the pike, or was that a that, that a surprise announcement to, to read this morning? Uh, regulators never tell. <laughs> I like that better than no comment. Steve, actually, I'll jump in with one one, and I don't know if it's the right, um, you know, fair to throw it at, at Troy. Maybe Amanda has comments here, but you know, we still continue to see gray market, um, and I know it's it's probably now can be considered black market um, operators. What, what is the word on what the the penalty or who's going to be penalized? Uh, will the network still be allowed to take advertising from brands? Like it was good to see Bet99 um, recently switch their ads to .ca coming soon, which we expected. But there are still a few operators in the .net space. Where, where's that? Where's that? How's that being regulated? Well, I guess first thing I would say, guys, is uh, I haven't been part of they since 2004 so so i haven't been a regulator for a very long long period of time now um i think you know the agco has a number of steps uh, a number of, of options that they can take uh they are clearly going to be in in contact with game suppliers and try and choke off access from the game suppliers from the b2b guys to the b2c guys um i don't know whether there is a plan to choke off at the payments uh, on the on the money flow in and out uh, but I would I would uh, I would guess that the regulator is also going to be taking steps to deal with some of their colleagues uh, around the world and regulators from other jurisdictions uh, and and suggesting that perhaps regulate operators in those jurisdictions that continue to access the Ontario marketplace, uh, without a registration, uh, that that the regulator there might uh, might make some inquiries. Right, Amanda. Yeah, I, I agree with Troy. I mean, the um, AGCO I think has been going about it uh, quietly. They know who hasn't come in for a license. Um, it's not like that's that's kind of you know news to them who hasn't come in. Um, and it's pretty easy for them to tell from a platform, from a content, from a payments, from an affiliate perspective, who's supporting them. So, yeah, as Troy said, I mean, one really effective tool is to choke off access to any of the products and services they require to service the Ontario market. But, you know, it was a bit of a conversation last week among some of us um, whether or not the AGCO will look to make an example of one you know, particular operator that is maybe flaunting coming in and still refusing to, to uh, get a registration. So we'll wait and see if uh, the AGCO decides to take that next step. Um, but I'm just glad that, that that date is now there and there will now be a clear delineation between, you know, the licensed and the legal operators and the, what I will now start calling the unlicensed and the illegal operators. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. I did, uh, you know, the one company where there's been crickets in terms of whether or not they've applied for a license is, is Bodog. And I actually reached the AGCO this week to ask if they they might be able to tell me uh, if, if Bodog has some an application. And, and I, I haven't heard anything back on that. So 
Um, but that's that's the one company that sticks out to me, unless Troy, you and Amanda know something. But, but Bodog's been very, very active on social media. And, and again, I, I haven't heard anything at all about, about uh, them, them applying for a license. Um, let's, uh, let's move over to just do a bit of a quick G2E roundtable post-mortem from, from last week, everybody. And um, I, I guess, Troy, there are a couple of things that stuck out uh, from, from the week for me. Uh, the first one, just the just the magnitude or the the overwhelming size of, of G2E, and just talking to some people like yourself on the on the expo floor last week, and, and Paul and Amanda and, and other people that uh, that we met uh, for the first time is just that uh, that that expo's taken on an even um, uh, more relevant place, I guess, as a as an industry conference now because of legal sports betting in the U.S. So I guess there was maybe a greater presence around the expo because of, uh, for, for that reason, um, you know, Bill, uh, Bill Miller, the president of the American gaming Association, his, uh, keynote speech, I think on Tuesday morning, when he talked about there, there being $300 billion spent on illegal, uh, gaming websites and casinos right now, that, that number I, I found to be quite staggering. And then I guess on a, you know, a little, little bit of a, a humorous note, although it makes makes sense on other levels. It was kind of funny to see, you know, Jason Robbins, the CEO of DraftKings, and Amy Howell, the CEO of FanDuel, um, you know, ta- singing "Kumbaya" basically together on on the stage on on Tuesday morning. But I just, I mean, I'll start with you. Like, are there any any key takeaways for you from from last week in Las Vegas? I think it's um, a marked difference from when Troy and I started going to that conference, you know, seven eight years ago to your point with the legalization of sports betting, um, you know, through the U.S., um, some states are now starting to look seriously at multi-product, which really makes those states more attractive, more interesting, uh, more worth investing in from an operator standpoint. Um, And certainly Ontario was a uh, a big topic of discussion. And I think for now, I would almost say, you know, North America, G2E has become a more important if not the most important conference to attend europe is a very mature landscape there aren't that many more exciting uh, countries that are going to be opening up uh for gaming in europe and really all eyes are focused on north america and just from conversations i had um, with suppliers conversations i had with colleagues who work for uh, other operators North America is really where everyone's focusing their time, energy, and attention right now. Um, so just as some kind of takeaways for that, I wouldn't be surprised if the focus really starts shifting towards uh, G2E and the North American conferences for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Troy? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I would agree with that. I, the, two things, a couple of things. There have been more iGaming conferences in North America this year than I think we've seen in the last 10. There's iGaming Next, there's the SBC, uh, there's an SBC conference, you know, every other month. And and the G2E show, I have to say, was probably the best attended one I've seen in certainly a decade. Uh, you couldn't walk down the main hallway. Uh, and it was actually tough to book. You wanted to book a table for dinner. If you were booking a table for more than two people, uh, you could get 5.30 or 9.30. So... Vegas was certainly back to its uh, its heyday uh, last week. Um, I guess the other really interesting development was 
when we started going to that show, iGaming was a virtual pariah. Nobody wanted to talk to us. Uh, they couldn't rush us out of the room fast enough. Um, that clearly has, has uh, that clearly has turned. The 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 last is. I can't claim to really understand the U.S. approach to this. Uh, at the state level, they're in a great hurry to roll out uh, sports betting, and they'll deal with iCasino at some point in the future in most jurisdictions. That to me just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's commercially silly. If you're going to roll out online gaming, why bifurcate from or why differentiate sports and iCasino? I, I I don't claim to understand that. Um, I suppose, you know, different states have a right to do whatever they want to do, however they choose to do it. But I think that's a real, that's another positive in the Ontario marketplace where they've said, you know what, we're going to allow for iCasino, we're going to allow for poker, we're going to allow for sports. Uh, yes, there's a car vote for uh, horse racing. And I suppose we'll see whether there continues to be one for iBingo. But it's a much more sensible approach uh, from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, Steve Rapp from Pinnacle Sports and Chris Abaddon from uh, Kays and Gaming. Have, they've, they've got their microphones on now. I just wonder, guys, I'm, my, I'm, I'm thinking you, both of you guys are way too busy last week to make Las Vegas, but I'm not sure if you had a, a question for, for uh, Troy or Amanda or, or a comment. Uh, I'll start with you, Steve. Uh, my question is for my old buddy Troy. Pulling pull the panic button on the Leafs after four games. I mean, what exactly are you doing, <laughs> Steve? I, I'm happy to address that. Uh, every other team in the East has gotten better, like uh, Florida and Tampa and the Rangers. And I didn't see what did the Leafs do all season yeah, or all offseason? Okay. Nothing. It's good. Nothing. It's good. Yeah, but you, 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 you Leaf fans. I love you guys. You're hilarious. Um, no, I. <laughs> I, I like listening to the stories because uh, Troy goes back, Troy and Amanda go back 10 years uh, with the iGaming in Vegas G2E. I think I might go back uh, even longer than that when Gold Palaces and that were throwing some parties down there. Uh, so, yes, times have changed. Uh, we're just happy to be part of the regulated market starting Wednesday and uh, getting to compete with uh, the Amanda Brewers of the world. I'm excited about that. I, I, I sense they're the best of seven there, Steve. I don't know if it's arm, arm wrestling or, or what, but we'll we'll have to we'll tee that one up. We go back a long way, so it's uh, <laughs> nice to finally be on a level playing field with everybody. <laughs> yeah, hearty, hearty welcome, Steve. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> fellow country manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you, you got you two are sound like Jason Robbins and Amy Howe for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris Abbott, did you want to jump in here too? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to talk about missing Vegas because I, I'm still not really emotionally over it, to be honest with you. It's my favorite place in the world. Uh, it is great to see how iGaming has really been accepted at the conference, though. I think real key point, um, talking with some of our guys, and they were asking, you know, why why as a Canadian would we be interested in going to Las Vegas for a conference? And it's like, well, there's a lot of payment providers. There's affiliate. Like, there's everybody there. And um, so I thought that was... Uh, you know, just the shift in, in the mind frame. And that's not something new that's been, been coming, but I think it's it's well accepted now. And of course, all the resorts there, for the most part, have their own, um, you know, mobile solutions and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks for us. Uh, our Batano brand was uh, 
turned on yesterday. Uh, we haven't done any marketing or anything yet. That's to come in the in the near future. But just wanted to make sure everything worked first before we uh, before we uh, got going there. And no, we do not have the benefit of the big database uh, coming in that that some companies do. But hey, that's just the that's just the nature of it. Uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, some guys uh, from our head office in Athens were in this week. We had some good last-minute meetings with uh, iGaming and the AGCO. Um, and I'll say that from an international perspective, our guys were really um, on board with what's going on in Ontario. Uh, fair tax rate um, and, and the open dialogue and communication that we've all talked about already with uh, with the regulator is uh, is going over well in uh, in other countries. And that's uh, as been alluded to on this uh, already a good chance uh, or, or good good news for Canada and uh, and attracting new business. Well, listen, Chris, I think it's great that you picked a nice soft time in the sports schedule to, to launch. You know, there's not a whole lot going on on right now. So, well, I tell you, if we're if we're if we're being completely honest, this wasn't when we were looking to go. Uh, there was uh, they started the application process back in April, so there was no design to be. Um, ready to go April 4th. The thought was the summer. Uh, as with everything, there's there's delays and hiccups along the way. So, yeah, uh, setting up for a nice nice little World Cup promotion. We've uh, we've already given the uh, the uh, TV rights holder uh, enough money up front to, to get a couple commercials on air. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. But uh, you know, with saying that, there you know, no promotion. Uh, we're not talking about it yet, but still, you know, I go. Um, you know, mentioned it online and we had a couple of affiliates already ready to go and um, just registrations already. So, you know, it's great to see there's so many brands, there's a lot of competition, but if you can do something unique or uh, strike the right chord, I think there's there's room to go around for everybody. Hey, I want to want to call up uh, Steve Pastorino from Blackhawk Networks. Steve's uh, with us and uh, great to see you last week, Steve. And I, I don't know if you had a, a comment or a question. Hey, everybody. It was um, good to see lots of you in person. Last week, it is still 85 and perfectly sunny here in Las Vegas. For those of you who had to go home to the cold white north, um, you're welcome back uh, at any time. But um, Chris just mentioned all the payment providers that were here at G2E last week. And I just wanted to chime in that uh, to echo Troy's comments about how iGaming was um, uh, suddenly in vogue and, and everyone was much more upfront about talking about iGaming component to... Uh, online gambling, uh, but I also want to say I felt that really, and obviously it's part part of it's my position is that um, cashless and this notion of in jurisdictions where you have brick and mortar casinos that also have mobile sports books, who's bridging the gap between my betting experience, um, handing a bill over the counter at a sports book in a brick and mortar casino to um, then you know, reviewing that transaction on my app and possibly cashing out on my app or, um, you know, reinvesting my bets uh, on the app. So just another thread that I heard all week long um, with a lot of the big players and a couple of Canadian based ones um, included um, really having some fascinating um, technology that if financial regulation could catch up uh, to the engineers and the technology folks, um, I think the industry as a whole will be much stronger. Right. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, and that, I was going to say, Troy, that's something that caught me up a little bit last week, although, again, I'm still a relative newbie to this industry, was just the number of those payment companies that were present at, at, at G2E. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and the truth is we saw a lot of those guys at ICE as well. 
Um, and, and I think in part, it's uh, in part, there's plenty of opportunity for a lot of these payment providers in, in Canada because the issue is not well understood by the banking industry. Uh, the banks, regardless of the fact that, that it's a regulated product and a legal product, the banks are going to do their own risk assessment. And many of the banks are, are taking an even more risk-averse approach to, uh, to gaming and governments. So uh, it's, I, I'm sure we all, everyone on this call has, had, has heard some banking story about a bank saying, nope, we're not going to process uh, online gaming payments which is uh, a frustration, but uh, you know, if, the, if the banks aren't going to handle it, great. There's plenty of other opportunity for, for uh, other financial uh, instruments to, to jump in. Um, hey, Mark, I got Mark Silver here too. I wonder Mark might have some thoughts on, uh, on G2E last week too, because he, he was a busy guy meeting a lot of new faces and bumping into some familiar ones as well but mark i'd love to get your thoughts just on your your first uh your first g2e yeah thanks steve and i mean i'm going to give some credit to uh to amanda from a few weeks back you know i did go out and buy a new pair of comfy shoes i think at one point you and i were comparing shoes you had a few inches on the bottom of your heel i only had about half an inch but that's uh, <laughs> that, that was a nike air cushion nice um, i ran into will hill flying home and he had bad blisters on his feet so i felt pretty vindicated it's not just us ladies who end up with like you know bad feet and hurting feet you guys get it too yeah, well, we, we, we do appreciate the, the varied footwear that was out there, and I'm glad I wore what I did. The, the show, for, for those of you who weren't there, I mean, it was, it, it, it was overwhelming um, in, a, in a really good way. I mean, uh, Steve and I, and we've experienced this before when we went down to SBC in New Jersey a few months ago. You know, you kind of find a spot, and you, you probably get stuck there for two hours. And, um, and that happened a few times to us. So really, Will's, Will's not with us today. We think he's airborne, but... You know, Sightline uh, had a really great buffet, and Steve and I made a little bit of a home there uh, when we were on the show floor for a couple of days. Uh, thanks to Omar for the catering, the CEO. But I think uh, I think for us, really, the the highlight was um, was was the SBC CGA event. Um, it was it was a great gathering, and it wasn't just Canadians. And I think we made more progress there with conversations and meeting new people than really anything that we've been exposed to from a conference point of view as you know Parlay Media Group. You know, over over the last nine months, and so we have you know all business cards that we're going through now, and all the follow ups, and we're we're really excited with the leads that were generated by just a, a couple of days in Vegas. I guess the 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 hard part about all of it, all of it is, you know, you're inside pretty much from eight a.m. to eleven p.m. every day, and the weather in Vegas was just tremendous, and uh, it was as if we could have been in the Arctic because it didn't matter what the weather was outside. Yeah, no, a great point, Mark. And again, it was it was such a such a big room that you know when when we're sitting at the airport on Thursday afternoon, ready for our ready to get our flight home, thinking about oh, I I, I miss this person, I miss that person, and geez, I forgot to stop by that booth. And um, I know what the CGA event on the Wednesday night. Uh, you know, my old buddy John Cisco is with us today. I uh, literally said hi to John, and then we we're gonna uh, grab you know talk later, and. They're, they're a man in Troy, there had to be about 500 people, uh, felt like 500 people in that restaurant, uh, um, 
for the for the Canadian Gaming Association event. So, uh, needless to say, just a lot a lot of people, but uh, but a great experience. The, the one question I wanted to ask um, Amanda, you and Troy, quickly is just uh, getting back to the whole Europe North North American piece. And Steve and Chris might have some thoughts on this as well. But are, you know, are there are there lessons that lessons that the North American market can learn f- from Europe? Um, you know, for example, you look at responsible gambling right now, where there seems to be a lot of countries are really cracking down on, on, on some of the advertising. And uh, we mentioned the newsletter this week. I think it's the Dutch Gambling Commission is uh, saying that uh, celebrities can no longer be used uh, by the sports sports books or, or gaming businesses. Um, are there are there any lessons to be learned by by this market from from the traditional European market? And Amanda, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think the RG is really the only direct comparable sort of like to like. And I think Europe is a cautionary tale for us here in Ontario about if we push things too far, what will happen? Um, Because if you remember when the AGCO standards first came out, there was no advertising full stop and they relented. So for everyone who's still moaning about the lack of, you know, bonuses and the lack of inducement language, you know, it's, it's not a very, you know, it's a, it's not a very big distance to go from that to, you know, no Connor McDavid's, no trailer park boys, you know, no bubbles, no, you know, any of those celebrities um, or influencers um, that some of the operators are using. I mean, it, it wouldn't take much for the HCO to turn around and just ban that too. So I think we should be, you know, I admit that there are, there are some hardships and limitations that come along with the restrictions we have now, but I think if we just cast an eye over the pond, um, we can see how much worse it can get. So it behooves us as an industry to uh, play, <laughs> play within the sandbox we've been given and to follow these rules and good behavior may be rewarded down the line, but that's not something we should be looking to change in the near future. Right. Troy? Yeah, I agree. There's, there's no, I mean, the choice between having no ability to advertise your product, like Italy and the UK, or have a restricted ability to, to advertise your product, no contest, right? Um, if you've got some goalposts around what you can do, can't do, that's always preferable to being put into the same category with cigarettes that can do absolutely no advertising whatsoever, right? Uh, and so far, like I think we've gotten through the initial six months where there was a bit of a bombardment of advertising and we didn't, we didn't see the public react and say enough of this ban all the ads. Uh, I think it will be up to the the broadcasters and, and uh, sports teams and others to, to try to keep it to a reasonable level because the last thing you want is government coming in and fixing that problem for you. Yeah. Hey, Chris Abbott, do, do you, have you found that has there been any somewhat of an education process for your for your bosses in Greece? Uh, before I answer that, I'll agree with Troy when I when he says that if if we don't or somehow the, the advertisers don't uh, regulate, then we're going to be looking at mandates. I think that's coming. I think the likelihood of getting every operator on board to agree with that is uh, slim to none. So uh, I am a little wary of what may come down the road, and it might be, you know, the TV stations, the outdoor advertisers um, limiting their inventory, which they're having a really hard doing time doing right now because it's it's not a great time in the economy. And if they only have gambling companies to pay their advertising budget, then then we're in a bit of a tough spot. 
I would say that uh, the European companies, by and large, kind of look at the American model and snicker and laugh and wait for them to spend all their money. I, <laughs> I'm not saying that's what's coming out of our head office, but that's a general consensus I've gotten working with a couple of European operators. It's like, you know, the return on investment is generally not there. And um, honestly, the bonus limitation advertising for me um, just kind of prolongs that. It makes it makes advertisers be a little more creative, um, and it should create less responsible gambling issues when you see these these big inducements and whatnot. But I think there's a, a general sense from European operators who have generally been doing this a much longer time that sure you have to spend money on brand building, but the you know, and we've seen it from shareholders on on some of the American-based companies that they're just not they're not down with these advertising spends. And at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense. I understand that it's a strategy to to consolidate the market and, and be the last man standing, but or woman. Um, but you know, I, I don't think the European operators, you know, very much like Europe, looks at us for a lot of things that we do, and uh, they just kind of sit back and sip their tea. Uh, I think <laughs> that's that's the general feeling I get from it. Yes, Steve Rapp, I, I'll give you the last word in this topic if, you, if you'd like. Well, I'm, I, first of all, I'm, as I said before, I'm happy the fact that we can't uh, advertise bonuses and inducements because Pinnacles uh, doesn't give bonuses and inducements. So that gives me uh, a, more of a level playing field to, to market into. But I will say as someone that's been uh, you know, cutting around the corners and the edges for 20 years and pushing as many envelopes as I can, the one that surprises me the most is I could never believe believe that they would have active athletes promoting gambling in this country. That is a slippery slope that I can't believe that, that we've gone down, and I would like to see that changed. Right. Okay. Great thought, Steve. Hey, I want to just wrap up. Uh, I, I, we dedicated the lead section of the newsletter this week to talking about what's going on with the economy right now on both sides of the border. and. And Troy, you and I talked to talk about this, and so maybe we'll start with you. But you know, just uh, maybe I, I'd love to get Amanda and uh, Steve and Chris on this as well before we wrap up. Is just you know what what kind of conversations are maybe being had around uh, the recession right now, or or is there you know is there something that we should be watching um, as we as we try to to get through the winter of 2022, 23, and what's going on with the economy as and the impact it could have on this industry? Uh, for us, and it's part of the conversations I've been having with our brand team, um, it's really making sure that we have the right RG tools in place, um, that we're keeping our eyes on any of our customers that look like they might need some assistance, and that we are rotating RG advertising into the market as well. It's not just about advertising our fantastic, you know, content but it's also about making sure that we've got a, a really good amount of rg um advertising including you know access to resources access to help too because to your point like going through a recession we don't want this to become something that people do to try to try to help themselves out that's that's not what this industry is about and that's not what makes this a sustainable industry for anybody so i think especially knowing that that might be on the horizon it is you know, hopefully operators are stepping up and just making sure that all of the RG tools, services, outreach, advertising is locked down. Yeah. Uh, Steve? I'll, I will say what, what Amanda just said is 100% accurate right on. We have to be very careful about our RG tools. Uh, and I just will say it, and I hope, and I hope uh, this is not a horrible recession, obviously, but growing up 20 years doing this, 
gambling's always kind of been recession proof. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but that's kind of what I've always seen in the past. We'll see what happens now. Yeah. And then Chris, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, actually, Amanda, I think you said it beautifully. And, and I know that uh, the newsletter today mentioned about the, you know, the recession proof and, and honestly, we saw it kind of during the pandemic, right? It, it was not the worst time for, for operators, but I agree. In uh, in times where things get tough, uh, there's certainly lots of segments of the population and lots of people, and, and I'm guilty of it myself, where you look for a way to fix it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, gambling can be one of those things. So I, I strongly echo what Amanda said, is, is to keep your eyes open for those type of things and and uh, and be there to help. And, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that, that you know, our economy is going to go, I guess, where it's going to go, where it's already headed there. And um, you know, we just gonna kind of kind of ride this out, but I think, yeah, you know, you keep your product uh, up and running, and and I don't think that anyone's gonna be in danger of going out of business. But I think it's very, very important to watch out for changes in betting behavior and and all those things that we all should have the tools to monitor already. Yeah, terrific. Uh, let's end it there. Uh, Chris Abbott from Case and Gaming, Steve Rapp from Pinnacle Sports. Uh, wishing both you guys well with with your launches over the next uh, seven days or so. Uh, Troy Ross from TRM Public Affairs. Troy, thanks so much for hopping on with us this week on the on the Gaming News Canada show. Amanda Brewer from Kindred Group, thank you so much for being with us as, as always. Uh, just a great uh, great hour conversation. Uh, again, we if you if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the Gaming News Canada newsletter. Lots going going on. Thanks again, everybody. Please uh, be safe this weekend. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show, a Parlay Media Group production. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience and DM us if you're interested in sponsorship or being a featured guest.